We are dangerously close to technology destroying all of liberty. And in the first half of this conversation yesterday with Joel Margavage from Eastmore Digital, we talked about how people were having the right at a sixth to eighth grade level in order for search engines to web crawl and optimize because they found that that is the age group where people were able to comprehend. And so I start posing a question here to Joel as we begin part two today of if we are uneducated and unable to read and comprehend, does that endanger our freedoms? Does that endanger our liberty? Are we going to become enslaved to AI that traps humanity? We're going to go there, talk about crypto, and much more on this episode of America Emboldened with Greg Bolden on the America Out Loud Network. Welcome back, Bold Americans. You're listening to America Emboldened with Greg Bolden on the America Out Loud Network. If you're enjoying this interview today, feel free to reach out to me on Twitter at RealGregBolden or email me greg at americaembolden.com. Website coming soon right there on that. We're talking to Joel Margavage. And right before the break, he was talking about how AI bots uh, are scrolling and web crawling the internet to, to write their stories, but they may not make sense. But before that, he mentioned that they recommend that the businesses that he manages, that content is written for somebody between the uh, seventh and eighth grade reading level, because that's where the country reads. I want to ask you, Joel, about that as a problem for our country. When you have the president of the United States press secretary, uh, Corrine Jean-Pierre, who gets up and says um, that the Supreme Court uh, reversed your constitutional right. Well, if you read the Constitution, you understand that the Supreme Court did not reverse a constitutional right. What the Supreme Court did was they looked back through the Constitution and decided that was not in the language, which anyone with uh, a decent reading ability can go and do themselves and then know the Democrat Party is gaslighting people, that there was a uh, decision by the Supreme Court for 50 years, almost 50 years, that stated that their interpretation was, but the Supreme Court we have now states Look, upon further review, we got it wrong, um, that that's not in there. You want it in there, then codified in the state laws, codified into a federal uh, constitutional amendment. If we don't know how to read at higher than a seventh, to eighth grade level, are we going to be able, and when I say we, I don't consider myself in that category. I don't think you're in that category. But if the average person is not able to read, um, are we going to be able to distinguish between what is news? What is an AI bot that's giving us something for our algorithm? Or are we absolutely screwed as a society if we don't start raising educational standards and reading for children? You're absolutely right. It's this is this is uh we're on the precipice of uh of uh completely destroying everything that we know to be true with having a functionable um free society. Um, you know. We, we absolutely need to raise literacy rates. Um, everything that I see around um, reading and writing is alarming. I mean, most people are too transfixed on their television or whatever screen that they have. And, and you know, I, I forget who it was. It may have been Einstein that, like, if you can't explain it simply, then, you know, 
I wouldn't trust it. And, and more and more, we're trying to create layers of complexity to everything that we do. And I mean, we even, as a younger kid, I joked about it, I'm sure you did too, but you know, getting change out of a cash register. And if like the power went down, could people compute math to, to provide, you know, simple exchange of, of uh, the difference in change? And, and we are, we're, we're, we're broaching an age where people, people will be unable to determine what is true and what is not because they have been compromised and put into a position where they're unable, they don't have the faculties or the tools within themselves to be able to make those determinations. Um, and I think that this falls into an age old um, uh, challenge that we face philosophically with all of humanity is, is that are individuals able to govern themselves or do they require a more elite group, uh, the, the tip of the spear point, so to speak, that guides and, and thrusts us into our future. Is that and what I the think, World Economic Forum is all about? I mean, that's their mission statement. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. And I mean, they're even looking at, I mean, if you look at books like The, the Great Reset, it's available for free in PDF on the internet. And I believe it's in the, the 10th chapter or so that they talk about designer humans. And uh, there's a guy, I believe, Dr. Hari Sundra or something, he wrote a, a book called Sapiens. And they're saying we've reached an age now where we can actually, with CRISPR technology, we can, we can pull back the entire code of human beings and we can remove the ability for ego and desire. And we can make a non-material world where everyone will be happy and own nothing. And uh, that is at the behest of, 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 of folks that want, they, they want to control um, your thoughts. I, in my opinion, at the end of the day, the, the, for the individual to make their own decisions is we're, we're in a slow boil for sure. Yeah, we're in the pot. Definitely slow boil. My, my interview last night was with the uneducated economist, Simon, uh, who is huge on YouTube, um, has hundreds of thousands of people watching his video each day. Um, and he talked about digital currency coming soon. And uh, I asked him if it was going to lead to draconian measures of, you know, basically we're slaves to the government or a one world government. Uh, because once there's a digital currency, they can say, hey, Joel, um, we don't like the fact that you drove so far with gasoline this week. We're, we're limiting your digital currency. It cannot be used to purchase gas this week. You better walk the work or work from home because we need to reduce your carbon footprint. Or, hey, Joel, you've been eating uh, poorly uh, out. So um, we're only going to approve these vegetables from the grocery store. Digital currency has the ability to be controlled in such a way that not only does the uh, ability for you to freely shop, uh, freely make things, it, it's it's definitely a threat to liberty, which is this is a great way to head into cryptocurrency because it goes off of the same, um, what's the, the uh, word that I'm using? Uh, I'm missing the word here, Joel, but you'll know it. Platform. Not, <laughs> uh, yeah, not platform, but like the uh, blockchain. It's blockchain, the same block, yeah. blockchain uh, that's being used to probably create a central world economy in the future. And the scariest part of all this is I don't think there's a damn thing that you, Joel, or me, Greg, can do to stop what's coming. I think that it's coming no matter what. And I don't even know that you can prepare for it. I just would tell people, don't be scared because at this point, there's no, uh, I don't believe in fear in facing things because that doesn't do us any good. It raises yeah. the more fear and destruction. Um, but there's got to be a way that we can thoughtfully 
enter into the conversation before we just say, take away our liberty. I, I find, okay, if you don't mind, follow me down this rabbit hole for a quick second, Joel. Sure. sure. I find that over the past two years, uh, it was like a, a cyclical issue in, in the world where we give up our freedom for security every so many decades. The last time we did it before two years ago was September 11th when the Patriot Act was implemented and we gave up freedom uh, for security. And I heard people say to me, well, I'm a good person. I don't care if they look at my emails and I'm going, it doesn't matter that you're a good person. You, you, you jackass. <laughs> what matters is the fact that you should have privacy in your life. And now with cameras on every single street corner, cars that are connected to the internet, uh, insurance companies that monitor your driving habits while you're driving, uh, people monitoring emails, uh, teachers that have access to Chromebooks during the school day uh, that can see, you know, what kids are on, which I, I look at because I try to keep my students on task, but still, it's still monitoring. We are giving up all of our freedoms continuously for this perceived security. And what I see coming down the hatch is September, September 11th, this uh, Patriot Act, and then fast forward to COVID, where everybody's got to get a vaccine and now show your vaccine cards in order to get into restaurants or get a QR code, which yeah. here in Delaware, where, where I live, I don't have to worry about the, that because we didn't go so far into those measures or Orwellian state. But if you go to Oregon, where I interviewed this guy yesterday, that's what they have. Half the restaurants, if you're not vaccinated, you're not eating that. Like it's just, and here we are in Delaware, no masks, walking around. Uh, we only have three people in the critical care unit at Christiana right now when I checked numbers last night. And uh, it's not a concern. COVID is not a concern in the way that it was two years ago. It's not denying it's a horrible virus, but why are we giving up our liberty for security when it's not true security? And then, you know, is digital currency just going to completely take away all of your rights for this uh, false sense that you own something? You know, our country was founded on property being wealth, and no one's going to have any property in the future. That is the goal of the World Economic Forum. You will have nothing and you will like it. It will be a better life right. for you. That scares the absolute crap out of me. If I was allowed to curse on this show, I would, because this is an area that, that really gets me fired up. So let's talk crypto, because I think this leads us into that conversation, all right? It does. It does. I'm going to tie one more piece to it together sure. to really solidify it, too. If anybody hasn't checked it out, I don't know if you are familiar with it. This came about uh, a couple of years ago. Um, it actually it, it dawned out of World of Warcraft and and out of China. There's a a company called Tencent that owns Blizzard and is involved on a, on a much greater level with Alibaba and some of these other bigger uh, global powers. And one of the things that happened in the game was people uh, were playing the game for a really long time. And they were getting a penalty for basically playing too long. And what would happen is they would, it's, it was very subtle. It's a psychological effect that it has. But essentially, if you played for like 12 hours straight and then you signed on, you would get the penalty. And anything that you did, you would receive 20% less uh, experience. And what the company did to change it to quell people um, and continue to keep them engaged in playing the game was instead of calling it a penalty, they called it a rested bonus and they reversed it. Nothing changed, no numbers changed, but they made people feel good when they were getting a rested bonus after they took a break and they got their normal amount. 
And then, but that was called the bonus. And then the normal amount was once you played too long. Uh, we're so um, stupid as humans. So stupid. It's scary. And, and so, and along those same lines, they started to see with the gamification and the psychology and the, the impact that it had. Um, and they started working out another program that's been instituted at a, uh, a national level. It's called Sesame Credit. I don't know if you're familiar with Sesame Credit. Um, and tell you know your, your, your listeners to look it up. It's really easy. There's a YouTube video that explains it really well. But essentially, Sesame Credit is like your credit score in the U.S. based off of finances, but it's your social score. And so, you know, what they're looking to do is to make a productive citizen in China. You know, um, you have a Sesame score, a Sesame Credit score, and this is fixated to everything. It's it's fixated to the goods that you purchase the amount of time that you work, it pulls your entire life and creates data points around all of it. And the thought is, if you come from the, the, the thought process of an elitist, you know, spearhead that is guiding uh, humanity, then, you know, us as individuals, you may think that you don't have anything that you're concerned about, but the government may find concern if you read too many comic books and you're an unproductive member of society. And so even though you may feel it's harmless because your overall harm to society is, is none um, for you reading uh, an indulgent amount of comic books, um, they may consider it to be harmful and they'll lower your score. Well, how does that play out or affect things? Well, like you said earlier, this could talk you know, about freezing your money. Um, in some places, in some cases, they talk about how you know other people's Sesame scores in proximity to you through Bluetooth <laughs> and that your score may be a sum of your friend's scores that you're connected to through your social profile. And over time, um, citizens are being championed to stay away from people with low Sesame credit scores and to not engage by or do things with them and um, or even unfriend them to raise your, your, your social score with the powers that be that control that score. And so, um, you know, the economic World Economic Forum that you mentioned, they recently had a showcase by um, one of the executives from Alibaba, where they're actually creating a carbon footprint app that uh, tracks how much you drive your vehicle, uh, tracks how much your toilet's flushing and how you're creating carbon in those regards. And they literally want to dial in your every single move. And if your move is not the right one, they want to be able to freeze that. And so where we sit at the precipice with, with crypto is with who is watching the watchman, can we produce an algorithm, a logical statement that we all agree that to the framework as a society, but that no one owns. And there's a battle right now between um, headless uh, uh, cryptocurrencies that are out there that have no leader, but through a collective. And there are other ones that are being uh, baked in a lab. Essentially, there is a group of, of powerful people that want to create a very similar digital product, a digital currency that, um, that they control. Um, and this would be the, the battle between what they call the CBDCs, the central bank digital currencies, versus something that, um, that no one knows to be owned, like, like Bitcoin with Satoshi Nakamoto uh, disappearing and uh, no one actually being you know, responsible for uh, the currency and, and, and how it works. It's already laid before us. Yeah. So I, I, I remember reaching out to you as a, as a crypto uh, 
expert. <laughs> and I, I say the word expert because I, I don't want to state that you know more than a ton of other people, right? But, but <laughs> yeah, exactly. You knew more than I knew at the time. And so I reached out to you a while back and just letting listeners know uh, this as a, uh, a preface to this conversation, because I want to understand mining. I want to understand what gives a coin its intrinsic value, because that's where the majority of Americans start scratching their heads and they go, why does mining matter? Like, what are we figuring out? And I, I had some theories, like, are we figuring out complex algorithms that no one could crack and we're using source code in order to do so, rewarding people when that process uh, gets unlocked? And you kind of stated, yes, that's kind of true in a sense of what different types, I don't want to say Bitcoin, what di different types of crypto was doing. But I got mm -hmm. concerned when at the Super Bowl this past year, all I saw was all these new brokerages where you can use your phone and purchase Bitcoin, or you can use your phone and purchase Doge or whatever your favorite meme coin would be. And I fell for it myself. You know, I, I, I downloaded one of them and I was like, hey, this is an easy way to get involved, low risk, not realizing I was actually putting my money in risk. And huge so, risk. <laughs> huge risk. So the, the better way to do crypto, as Joel would certainly tell you, I'm going to save some time by, by just sharing it with you, would be mine it yourself, get a digital wallet and put your own coin in your own digital wallet, because then it's yours. That if you go to these brokerages, they're playing with your cash, your fiat money, and they're investing into all these other types of digital currency. But you don't have your own currency. You have basically gone to a table in Vegas put down money and said, uh, here, I'd like it to put on here because it has a good chance of hitting, but you may wind up with nothing. And so if you're a member of Voyager, you're a member of Celsius, three arrows capital, uh, right now you're pretty sour on the crypto market. Uh, the most recent was Voyager. They went bankrupt um, and they stated that they were FDIC insured on their terms. But if you look at the FDIC what they actually cover for people in this bankruptcy, they don't cover any of the cryptocurrency. They only cover if you were depositing money and leaving it in an account for Voyager to then invest up to 250,000, which is not many people. So if you're somebody like myself that had a Voyager account, I literally lost thousands of dollars because they went bankrupt and I now have had my assets frozen. I can't withdraw. I can't try to cut my losses and take a loss. I can't touch my money. And chances are at the end of this bankruptcy, they will not have enough money to cover. So if I have say, you know, $2,000 left after this whole decline, I may get a check for 20 bucks as part of a class action settlement uh, off their bankruptcy. So Joel, <laughs> is there a future for crypto? Um, and will we finally see the market correct itself to get rid of these people who found a way to capitalize off of America and the rest of the world fraudulently in order to build up? Because that's what I see. I see that this was a fraudulent manufactured thing, much like Elon Musk manufactured Doge to have actual intrinsic value. Doge was a meme currency. It was a joke currency that the guy created to have fun. It had no intrinsic value to mining it. And it was because of a billionaire tweeting out about Doge going to the moon. People got behind it and it was a source funded cryptocurrency that had no intrinsic value behind it. Meanwhile, you have companies uh, and banks like Discover, Chase, Bank of America, whatever, that are behind like XRP, the Ripple, right? And so that has intrinsic value because the banking system is using it to manage their transactions, 
They're using it to get cleaner, faster money from point A to point B. Why are Americans so uneducated about this? Is it because they want us to be uneducated so they can take our money? I, I don't know. I'm going to, I'm going to stop here. I, I I've said a lot. I, I want to take a quick break, Joel. And then when we come back on the other side of the break, uh, I'm going to ask you the, the final question. Here. I'm going to wrap up my thought. Everybody, you're listening to America Emboldened with Greg Bolden on the America Out Loud Network. Now the spirit of American liberty and justice is woven into the soul of America Out Loud. Now we invite you, friends, to invest some of your time with our magnificent family of experts, their minds and voices, it's all back at AmericaOutloud.com. Liberty and justice for all. Oral hygiene hasn't changed in 50 years, but our diet and the way we eat has, creating an environment in your mouth for bacteria to wreak havoc on your teeth and gums. For better oral health, get Spry Dental Defense an oral care line designed to combat acid-creating bacteria. The toothpaste, mouthwash, mints, and gum all contain xylitol, a natural ingredient shown to dramatically improve oral health. Spry can be found online and at all fine natural retailers. Here on America Out Loud, we emphasize optimal health, and air is the most essential element for life. The average person inhales over 35 pounds of air every day. Yet we seldom think about how to rid the air of pathogens swiftly and safely when we need to. The Genesis Fogger Plus HOCL is the only way to quickly and naturally restore air to its optimal condition. Visit genesisfogger.com forward slash out loud for a free ebook on everything you need to know about HOCL and receive a 15% discount on the Genesis Fogger with promo code OUTLOUD. With Genesis, you'll be ready for what's next. people need to know about crypto and what should you actually be doing is it the future or stay out of it it the thing wow a lot to unpack there too so one of the biggest challenges that we face um when you when i want to take one of the statements out of there and, and use that to begin with you talked about you know are, is there some intentionality around the lack of education around cryptocurrency um i think that that as humanity continues to keep evolving and building up and we come up with new ideas and new things, you know, uh, uh, there's another guy, uh, uh, I believe his name's Nassim Talib. Uh, he wrote a book called the black swan. And, uh, you know, there's this idea that, you know, well, put simply hindsight's 2020 and we think we know what we know, but there's black swan events that come along that really there's no answer for. And, and, and we have to deal with that. Um, the unknowns. And, and in this particular case with Bitcoin, uh, as, as a first mover, I'll say, uh, you know, I think it caught everyone by surprise. I mean, if you look at, you know, the Ivy League universities, MIT, Harvard, Dartmouth, all these schools, they didn't have fintech programs before the coins. They have it as an afterthought. And these are our foremost schools of thought to bring to us the new uh, stuff that we're supposed to be uh, implementing into our world. And so what I, what I want to say firstly is, is that I, I think a lot of people are struggling to understand it 
because I think some of our greatest thinkers and some of our leaders that are making decisions around this don't understand it yet. And so there's just a large portion of the population that has created this, not a large portion, a small portion, and a large portion that is still trying to figure it out. And I think one of the things related to that and also to some of the dangers in the market and should or should not people use it and where is the home of crypto is crypto is still trying to be defined by the government. Um, you know, there was a, a Senate bill, I believe, yesterday that was pushed out that the commodities and ex exchange uh, uh, oversight committee would be um, regulating Bitcoin and Ethereum as opposed to some of these other currencies. And then meanwhile, you have XRP um, in a lawsuit with the SEC and looking at it as a security. So is it a security? Is it a commodity? Um, what's the difference between a security and a commodity? And the reality is um, for many of these coins, not all of them, is they're all the above. And, and it's created a new dynamic um, uh, way to do business. And, and, the, and the best example I could give would be um, like Disney. Okay. So uh, Disney, if, if Disney were to get into the crypto market, um, I, I see this place where, where it could be store of value. The coin could be like gold, you know, Bitcoin, there's a fixed number of them. One of the problems that we have with inflation is, is the honesty around printing of money, which is you know, dating all the way back, this has been part of the war is fraud against people printing money. They used to have notch sticks and people would put notches on sticks and play games with that. And we've had all these updates to the paper money that we have to um, stop fraud. And, and so, you know, a lot of people look at Bitcoin as a store of value that is deflationary, that there is a limited number of that you can hang on to. Um, there are other uh, coins like Ethereum that have contracts built into them. And they had these other things too that I think we may touch on. So I'll, I'll, I'll preface it, but like the idea of burning and minting coins. So in order to you know, uh, combat inflation, um, there may be a circulation of a certain number of coins on the market and they could just burn them and get rid of them um, or, or produce more. This is equivalent to the same as quantitative tightening or easing that we see with money supply uh, for fiat currencies. Um, now, the, the stuff that we're talking about here, though, is all related around speculation. So that's one aspect of what people can do is speculate on the coin based off of its inflationary or deflationary measures and use it to sit on the sidelines and say, hey, this will be valued more later. And this is related to the economics of supply and demand. And if there's a limited supply and people value it, they may want to hold on to it because of this ability to protect from fraud and producing fictitious coins. Now, the other piece to it, though, too, is, is like this idea of like XRP of money moving fast. If you look at the internal systems of the entire global order of finance, um, the, the rate at which money moves is slow. Um, it's run by a, a, a technology called SWIFT, which at one time it was what you would consider to be fast. Um, but now we're looking at fractions of a second uh, comparative to, you know, taking a day or two to move large amounts of money. Um, and and that's, that's something that's needed too. And then, and then furthermore, 
um, on a day-to-day basis, it seems to me like in the marketplace that we're in now, more people are looking at speculating and holding on to a cryptocurrency rather than using it. And I think that if more people understand it, understood that, you know, Greg, if uh, you would provide me with a service and I have my own keys and I have my own coins that I have that no one controls, you and I have the ability to one-to-one make transactions. Well, you got to ask yourself too, why do you need this in the beginning anyway? Well, a lot of people had a hard time, you know, back in the day, you know, a, a strawberry farmer uh, needed bricks, but the bricklayer didn't. You're the the mortar uh, brick creator did, didn't need strawberries, and so you need this medium that that people can use to transact to get stuff with expediency. And one of the values is having a system that no one else is controlling the circulation of the system or anything like that in a singular force or a, a collective or a group that that, that owns it. Um, but having a one-to-one transactional system free of anybody else's um, influences and for you and me as individuals, regardless of government or forms of, of institutions or bodies that, that more or less want to rule the world, that we can ignore all of that and that you and I can do commerce together. And so then there's that piece. And then back to Disney, you know, it could be a stock it could be something that you could spend um, or it could be, um, you know, used as a part of the ecosystem that keeps someone involved in that particular brand or universe that you create. So Disney, you could buy their stock and invest in the company and maybe get voting rights over the future of the company and things that may happen. But if, if it were like a coin, if it were like a Disney coin, then you could hold the coin in speculation for the future of Disney with voting rights tied to the coin through technology, or you could use the coins at a discounted rate for Disney products, Disney theme parks. And so because they can be used for so many different things as money, as stock, um, and then also even taking a level further and uh, collectible art, um, you could take a, a Disney coin and turn it into a unique Donald Duck print that only you have that you own, and then it can be converted back into the coin. So it's got all these different things that it can that it can do. Um, and so I think it's created a lot of confusion. And the government's like, is it a commodity? Is it a security? It's all of them. And we've never had rules for something that was all of them, only if it was one or the other. And that's what we're faced with is this dilemma where people are misusing the coins because they don't understand how it plays into the marketplace. And um, it's, it, it can create a lot of confusion. And I think that to try and remedy that confusion is tough right now because there's really no guided force. And it's, it's you know, just this hot stew pot of, of a bunch of different ideas that are being put out there. When cryptocurrency was first uh, created and being used back in the late 2000s, the late aughts, uh, the idea was it was a Liberty coin. It was an ability to have transactions without government oversight. Yeah. And it liberated us from taxes. It liberated us from the government institution 
And of course, government does not allow anyone to steal from government. <laughs> That's right. Which is why government is desperately trying to take control. The Federal Reserve's desperately trying to figure out how do we create our own central digital currency while all these conversations are happening. I even see it as, you know, while they're lowering the reported income now on Venmo and all these other services for the IRS, they want to account for every single penny so they can convert to a digital currency and have it as accurate as possible. Because if they don't know where some of those pennies are, which we'll get to that in a second, you don't know where all those pennies are, then you can't make the conversion accurately, which is why there's a coin shortage. It's why they don't want you using coins because we got to get down to just the dollars that are left out, the fiat currency. Yeah, absolutely. I don't don't know, you know, people, I'm stuttering here and that's not happening too often as my listeners may know, unless I am really in a conundrum of thoughts. And the conundrum of thought that I'm stuck in right now is what do people need to hear to understand that liberty is about to be ripped away from you. And it's not a conspiracy theory. It's literally staring you in the face as cryptocurrency. You can watch the evolution over the past 15 years and the evolution shows you where things are headed. It gives you a roadmap. I think cryptocurrency is going to be looked back on as the next segment of where we evolved as humans. It's the transhumanism moving us forward into where we become one with technology. Uh, we already are starting that when we pick up our cell phones and we're attached to it all day. We're uh, cyborgs. We're already cyborgs. It's just not physically attached to us. But digital currency, I believe, eventually will be physically attached to us in some way, shape, or form. Um, we just may not have realized that we've already consented to it. That's a whole other episode to do. Um, Why don't people give two craps about this conversation? Why is it that I'm going to have friends that listen to this episode with you today, Joel, and they say, Greg, there's nothing I can do to stop it. So why should I care? Just go along for the ride or say, Greg, I heard everything. This is a bunch of hogwash. Uh, Why are you guys so concerned about your rights? Just live your life. Are they right? Well, I think this ties all the way back to what we were talking about earlier with, you know, people, people saying, hey, you know, I have nothing to hide. So what should I be concerned about? I'm going to go on and carry on with my life. And, you know, I think that unfortunately, we've just become too far removed and too complacent to what sovereignty and freedom really means. And, you know, in a lot of ways, you know, I think a lot of people don't realize that um, it takes a lot of hard work to be free. Um, and you, it must be continued on a routine basis. And I think that we're, we're living in a time where a lot of that hard work has afforded us a lot of space and lack of effort. And we still see continued freedoms that we've had but they are eroding, you know, just the same as like, if you don't want someone to tell you where to live, you must create value and make an earning to dictate where you live. Um, If you don't want to be told what to eat, then you must work really hard to create value, to be able to make an earning 
and in a, in a relationship with others economically to choose what you want to eat. And, you know, as a country, we have worked really hard to create our independence on the international stage that, you know, with some exceptions with, with, uh, you know, fuel and other things that I think we're still continually marching towards. We have the autonomy to tell other countries <laughs> we're going to do as we please. This came through um, creating our own efforts to be able to, you know, you don't want to rely on someone to fix your floor. You want to be able to know how to fix your own floor. You don't want to rely on someone else to fix your electricity in your house. You should be able to know how to do it. We live in an age of consumerism where we're getting bombarded with so many different things that we do tend to rely on other people, but within a system that freely allows people to make decisions about what they want to specialize in and offer that value to other people. And, and I think people are taking that for granted on a really simple level. And if we let it get away from us for too long and understanding how money works and these other things, before you know it, they're going to, you're going to be on your computer and it's going to turn off. And, you know, the government's going to tell you, you know, as a citizen, um, you've, you only have the privilege of having your computer for two hours a day um, or whatever the case may be. And, you know, some of some of the inspirations and some of the things that we've come to witness in this world from some of the marvels that we have through humanity are inspired through stuff that has nothing to do with the productivity of what the government requires of anybody. Um, art, is, you know, is subjective and art inspires so many other things that we come to see in this world. What's the place of art in a world where we must only be productive for the sake of you know, whatever these, these, uh, these watchers want. Um, it's very, very, very concerning. And, and so, you know, to, to pull it back around, you know, people, people need to learn how to be able to conduct themselves on a one-to-one -one basis with other people without having any other input from any outside forces. And that's really what is, is what we're being faced with right now is the government and not even just government, but institutions um, that have built up over time and created immense amount of power in this world. Um, they have a vision and in order for them to complete their vision, they have to take away your ability to have a vision. And part of that is, is refocusing your efforts, controlling what you do on a day-to-day -day basis. And the best way to do that is to restrict them through their finances and to be able to have a, a freeze or a, a control mechanism in place to say, if you don't do this, then you won't get this. And that's, that's, we are, we're at a flashpoint right now where, you know, just to put it simply with currencies and what this stuff is, it's a ledger. It is a timestamp ledger that says on this date, this was received and this was sent. And there's just two columns going down, just like for an accountant. But the thing that we do with these currencies is no one has to run the book. We created a set of rules that makes it run on its own. And that's what we're being faced with right now is that as individuals, can we continue to conduct ourselves independently and in our own sovereignty to have one-to-one -one relationship with others and conduct with them? Or do we need an oversight with the way that money is put together? And do we need someone that has the ability to take all of the interconnected pieces of your everyday life and tie them all together to their interests and, you know, stopping you from living your life.
as you see fit. Well, that's deep, very deep. Joel, we have to take a quick break here. Everybody, you're listening to America Emboldened with Greg Bolden on the America Out Loud Network. We're going to be right back. And I, Joel, when we get back, I want to talk to you about this uh, liberty perspective and whether or not we're free to make our own choices and, and how we can protect that. Well, right back after the break, ladies and gentlemen. All right. You've all heard Malcolm and the great Dr. Peter McCullough talk about the pulvidone iodine-based nasal spray Cofix RX. They talk about it because it's a product that actually works in combating colds, flus, and coronaviruses. Cofix is made in the USA and recommended by thousands of doctors and pharmacists nationwide. It's simple. By attacking viruses where they incubate, you make it easier for your body to heal. Check out the Cofix RX banner ad on AmericaOutloud.com and save 20% by using promo code OUTLOUD. Because of COVID-19, many Americans worry about their health four times a day. That's 120 times per month. To minimize the worries, leading nutritional supplement company, Healthy Cell, created Immune Super Boost, an immune supplement that contains full effective doses of science-backed nutrients like vitamin C, zinc, elderberry, and echinacea, all in a one-a-day pill-free ultra-absorption ingestible gel. It tastes great, comes in a convenient squeeze gel pack, and it's more natural too, without chemical binders, fillers, and coatings. Supporting a strong and resilient immune system can be simple. Go to HealthyCell.com and use code OUTLOUD for 20% off your first order of Immune Super Boost. That's HealthyCell.com, H-E-A-L-T-H-Y-C-E-L-L, and use code OUTLOUD for 20% off. I mean, I'd like to say for listeners, I'm not anti-government by any means. I think government has contributed to the freedoms that we have here in the United States in a great way. Um, but I also believe that there's no sense in putting altruism into government and big organizations, right? Mm-hmm. I, I don't understand why we constantly say that government is the selfless relationship with our country and our, our citizens, uh, that they would never act in their own best interest, or that uh, a pharmaceutical company would never act in their own best interest. You know, that has been a conversation of the past two years. Looking at Visor, they were one of the largest pharmaceutical companies that that were sued and had record profits uh, wiped off their ledger sheet at the time because they were stated that they misrepresented their products. And now here we are going, Sure. Sign us up, you know, get, get, let's get that jab in our arms. And that's not anti-vaccine. That's me just simply asking, why is it that we look at government? Why is it we look at pharmaceutical companies with this altruistic uh, vision instead of critically thinking, huh, how could this come back and screw me in the end? How, why is it we're looking at uh, Bitcoin um, as this altruistic <laughs> good overall, when we still don't know the creator could one day show up and say, you know what, I'm selling off all mine and tank the entire thing like Shiba did. Uh, for those that don't know, Shiba was another meme coin that was up against Doge. It got over $1 billion um, in uh, profit for the creator when he cashed out and tank the entire coin back to like 0.00005 of a, of a penny. 
Um, you know, but that's, that's the danger of going into a crypto world. And, but it's also the beauty of the crypto world. If you have that skepticism, if you stay healthy and then you use it for trade. But I think once the government gets overly involved in this, um, I, I feel like we've lost our resolve to have our own life. Uh, I believe that we want everybody to do everything else for us now. I'm not saying you and I are in that equation, but the majority of our country sure. wants somebody to offer them a solution, offer them a way out. And I see that in all of the conversations we just stated from AI straight on through to crypto. Um, we need to either wake up really fast and find a way to wake people up. Maybe it's this conversation. Uh, but now I'm, uh, Joel, I'm, I'm joking when I say this, but I'm even thinking when I write up my descriptions of my podcast, am I putting it at a seventh and eighth grade level? <laughs> I don't believe that I am. So maybe I'm missing America and I'm only getting uh, people that are going to be on the same intellectual spot where I am. And that's not to talk down to anybody whatsoever. Um, as an educator, I would rather I have somebody who's reading on a fourth grade, fifth grade level listening to the show so I can help educate them. It's the reason why I try not to use big words on the show as well. I had a guest the other day, Dr. Lowry Chap. Uh, literally, I would put him as the most brilliant person in my life that I know. It, but his language at times, because uh, he is so well-versed, can go over people's heads. But what I love about him is if he states something, he'll be like, and this means, and he says it so quickly. And that's a great way to join people. This podcast exists to educate people about the issues that are going on in the world. It, it, it's sole purpose is to break down the barrier between people that lean one way or the other in a radical way. And just to have discussions about things that actually affect every single human being's life and tell American stories and tell stories from throughout the world. This is going to be, in my opinion, the most important story that we look back on. It's going to be, what did yeah. we do with AI? What did we do with crypto? What did we do at the Flashpoint? I love the fact you're, you're using Flashpoint as the word. Uh, nice DC Comics, <laughs> the Flash, the, the, the reset of the earth. Um, I'm going to end the, the, the interview today with this, Joel, and I appreciate all your time. I'm going to end with a fun question. Uh, when I was telling people what I was going to talk about today, a friend sent me a text and said, I want you to ask uh, Joel this. So the question is, out of all the sci-fi movies that you've watched, which movies and scenarios do you most fear are going to come true? I, I love this question. Um, I like talking to people about it, actually. It's come up multiple times. I think a lot of people think that Fahrenheit 451 is coming with Ray Bradbury and, and the book burning and uh, the, I think, what is it? The censor police. I can't remember the name now. It's been a while, but I, I don't think that that's happening. I actually think it's the literal opposite. I think it's, it's Aldo Huxley, brave new world. I think that we are being conditioned for comfort. And I think the, the longer that we keep uh, pleasure seeking um, that, that that's going to be the ruin of, of, of humanity. I think as, as creatures to kind of go back on that stoic philosophy and, and the Greeks and things like that. Um, I think, I think the true value in life and fulfilling that idea of an infinite world of possibilities, 
um, requires you to go uh, above and below, as above, so below. And I think Carl Jung says too, that a tree can only reach its greatest heights for as deep as its roots go to hell. And I think as creatures that a lot of us, whether it be in religion or entertainment or any facet of humanity that we pleasure seek, we seek joy, we seek happiness, we seek all of the, the nice things of life. And I think that if we're going to survive, we can't chase comfort. We have to, to you know, uh, there's another quote I really like too. Uh, if you don't discipline yourself, the world will discipline you. And I think as, as humans, we need to discipline ourselves or we're definitely going to wind up in a slow boil uh, situation where we have been tricked by the, the comforts of the world and we're being ruled by uh, the elite. Awesome. I'm glad I asked that question. That was a, that was a cool answer. I'm curious how that listener will respond uh, when, when they hear that. If you would like to reach out to me about what you heard today on uh, America Emboldened, feel free to reach out on Twitter at RealGregBolden, or you can email me, greg at americaemboldened.com. Uh, this episode, we've been speaking with Joel Margavage. He's the owner of Eastmore Digital, um, and you can find Eastmore Digital at eastmoredigital.com, but more is spelled M-O-O-R and then digital.com. So if you are a business owner, uh, you're somebody who uh, is concerned about how you appear in traffic on the web, you can reach out to Joel directly. Uh, Joel, what's the best way for them to get in touch with you? Sure. Our uh, business line is 302-514-7002, or you can reach out directly to me at joel at eastmoredigital.com. Thanks, Greg. Absolutely. I appreciate your time today. Um, I think we have more we still need to discuss. Uh, so listeners, if you think that I should bring Joel back on uh, to talk a little bit more about this uh, technocratic world that we're in, in, engaged in and getting deeper into, uh, let me know what you want me to ask him and I'll certainly invite him back on as a guest. Joel, I thank you for your time today. You were generous with it and uh, thanks for all your perspectives. Likewise. Thanks, Greg. All right. Take care, Joel. You too. All right, American Boldened, hope that you enjoyed that episode today. Uh, tomorrow, we'll be back with even more. Uh, let me know your thoughts. I'm really curious about, are we going to lose our liberty for the sense of security in a digital currency? Are we going to be tricked by AI? I don't know. The choice is yours. Be bold, America. <laughs>